I guess we should do this thing, huh? Fuck yeah, let's do this. All right. back to another episode of tip to tip with lou and chris my name is lou hey guys i'm chris that's chris over there as usual and uh we're on episode 45 plugging right along 45 we just got 45. rid of the 45th president yeah that's yeah, how that so. number ties into something <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i'm gonna be 45 in a couple of months but it's it's more accurate that we just uh Unfortunately, RIP, we lost our 45th president. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, not to get political on this podcast, but I'm sure if you listen to the episodes up until now, you, you got a hint of where we stand on <laughs> things. I can't imagine. I kind of wonder, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, like, we don't, we don't talk about politics too much. It's come up a couple of times, but yeah. I wonder how clear it is. There might be, I might be completely forgetting about a time where we just fucking... <clears throat> rip the right side an asshole or something I, I don't really remember but there's there's a good chance if people saw us they would assume at least for my sake or at least for me they would assume i'm on the one side of things yeah i i, I mean i have a big burly beard and shit so mm. i could go I, i've had that happen before um, yeah in a future episode I'll, I'll tell you a story about a guy assuming i'm a trump supporter that because it was at a job so i'm not going to spoil it here but Gnarly. Yeah, I, had a, I had a vendor assume that I was a Trump supporter because I have a big beard and, you know, I guess I look kind of Harley Davidson-ish. Because you're fucking white. And I'm yeah. white, yeah. But I mean, I'm white, but I'm in L.A., so just being white doesn't mean shit here. You right. Know? So, I don't know. Whatever. Well, not, not, not what this episode's about, or <laughs> any episode, actually. Um, but yeah, today we're going to be talking about the time I worked at Kids Are Kids. Um, yeah, that's a fun name. <laughs> fucking big r right in the middle like sesame street style very very interesting i'm gonna name my business that yeah yeah we'll get into all that in a minute here but i you know before we get it get going with that let's just fucking do the occupational breakdown occupational breakdown yeah so uh that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Job name with Kids or Kids, as I said. My 43rd job. 43. Cruising right along. I'm not sure if we're going to ever get these fucking numbers to line up again. I, the only way we could do that is... Oh, now I need to think about it. How would that happen? We'd have to have a couple one-offs, right, I guess? I or feel like we'd have to do more than one job in one episode. Right? Yeah, what I said was not right. Because <laughs> we just have more fucking episodes. Yeah, I have, have... Decide, I have to decide in this moment if I'm going to cut out what you said and make this make no sense or leave it in and make you sound stupid. But history both says, are funny. Yeah, history yeah, says we're going to go ahead says and leave, I'll leave it in. in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, if it was me, I'd, I'd leave it in. There, there's lots of me sounding stupid on this podcast. Uh yeah, I think we'd have to do a like a double up, like two jobs. I I mean, I think we've done it. Have we done that before? I feel like we did that before. 
And maybe it's because I had two. You know what it was? I think I did Woodfield three and four and Woodfield five through nine in the same episode. That's Although correct. Although now I'm now I'm thinking like maybe that's not true. Uh, actually, I yeah, I. Do. <laughs> This is so stupid. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I think you did separate episodes, dude. Uh, no, no, episode seven, Simplex Odeon, Woodfield three and four, and five through nine. Okay, so that's how we got one ahead, and then, and then we uh, we did a like a special episode for my community service, episode <laughs> seventeen. Yeah, and then we were kind of okay, and then. Then we had a couple of double ups. I think we had two two parters. Power mm. Records was a two parter and something else. But yeah, I don't think we're ever going to be able to get that consolidated. So, you know, we'll get up to episode 83 and it'll be my 81st job. And, you know, it's just going to have to be how it is. That yeah. was a fun little diversion. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my position held at Kids Are Kids. I mean, I don't know what I would be called. I feel like they called me the school-aged room teacher. <laughs> I definitely didn't teach anybody anything. And I it's not like I was a teacher. I was just like a daycare center fucking chaperone. I was the adult in the room. Cool big brother. <laughs> yeah, out. I was just making sure these kids didn't kill each other, more or less, was my <laughs> position. Uh, my wage earned $8 an hour. A nice, solid, slightly above minimum wage for the time. Way below a living wage. It's crazy to me, the whole minimum wage thing. Like, anybody who thinks that you can afford to live on your own at minimum wage ever, in the, since I've been alive, that's not something you can do, you know? No, that's that's crazy. That's, you know. There should be some connection between how much the minimum wage is and how how low you can live on, right? You would think... I mean, obviously, that's not how the world works, but it seems like it would be nice if they were like, okay, the cheapest studio apartment you can get is going to cost you this much a month times three divided by 40 hours a week. This is what minimum wage needs to be so somebody can pay rent, pay for food, pay their electric bill, get to and from work. I mean, I guess I'm I'm going down the direction of like UBI now, which, again, in theory, I'm a fan of. I don't know how it would work. I mean, it's it works somewhere out there in the in other countries, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know how it would work here. But if they could figure out a way to just give me twelve hundred dollars a month, just because I'm awesome, because I'm a, an American citizen, and they want me to keep on like paying taxes and being a part of society, fucking a, I'll take it. But I don't know if that will. Uh, damn it, we kind of we we're wading back into politics here. Exactly. Why does this keep happening? You know, this is a good episode for that, and you won't find out till the end why that is. Okay. It's going to be a little a little treat later in this episode. You'll be like, oh, that's what he was talking about. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my employment here, I lasted one month, and it's going to be exciting when we talk about my quitting this job, but I don't want to spoil it, so just hang hang tight. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, uh, I worked there, and I started around August of that year, and about a month, about a month. And that was your occupational breakdown. <sighs> occupational breakdown. I still think of uh, typo negative when I hear that, just because of that weird noise at the beginning. Oh, your homage. It really is. I don't know if Peter Steele was a good person, but he made me happy. <laughs> and he had a huge dick. 
Supposedly. I mean, he was in an issue of Playgirl magazine. This yeah. is a very funny story. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but yeah, back in the uh, in the 90s sometime, Peter Steele, the singer of Typo Negative, was in an uh, issue of Playgirl magazine. Full nude, cock out and everything. Now, Playgirl doesn't do hard cocks, or they didn't back then. I don't know if they still do or if they even exist now. But Playgirl, which is the counterpart of Playboy, they would show you dicks, but the dicks would be flaccid, which I guess is less obscene. I don't know. That's not as fun for sure. But yeah, in flaccid state, Peter Steele's dick is appropriately sized for him. And he's an enormous guy. He's very tall, and, and or he was. Now he's a skeleton. But back then, he was true. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. I apologize to the uh, the estate of Peter Steele for that uh, ill-conceived joke. But yeah, he, he, was a, he, was a, he was a big guy, and his penis flaccid fit his look. But I don't know if he was like a grower and maybe erect. It was like, you know, 14 inches or something. Are I'm you actually, like looking it up? I'm totally looking it up. Okay, and I see you de- looking at your phone. Yeah, he's he's definitely erect. Is he erect? No, yeah, he's kind of. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he but, might you know, not doing, be full bore, but doing the hand like that to me, it's like I'm gonna squeeze the base and make this shit like pop. Yeah, Look I guess you're face. right. <laughs> Like Chris is showing me like on the screen a close up of Peter Steele's dick, and then and then he will slowly lower the picture so that Peter Steele's face is all I see on my screen, <laughs> and he's and he's definitely doing like a pouty lip thing. So yeah, I'm I'm wrong. It, it does look like he was erect, or at least he was trying to imply erections by squeezing the base hard and getting it to pop like that. And truthfully, it's not that crazy big, you know. It's it's reasonable. It looks fine. But it's not like I would if I saw that, I wouldn't be like, you should go into porn, son. I mean, you know, it's fine. But wow, my memory is a little flawed. And, you know, another time in this episode, it's the unreliable narrator or not in this podcast. I mean, because I, I don't remember what I'm talking about. Also, check out our new podcast, Cock Critics. <laughs> Listening to your description. It's like, I mean, it's not cock. bad. You know, he's, he's just working with he's. He's got something under there, for sure. We've slowly waded into one of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> well, my point was that he did that He did that issue of Playgirl thinking that it was going to be like all, all these beautiful women are going to be looking at my cock, not realizing that the majority of the people who buy Playgirl are gay men. So essentially most of the people who were enjoying his cock were gay men, which was not the demographic he was aiming for as far as I could tell. Sure. Anyway. Um, how did we get talking about Peter Steele? Oh, the uh, occupational breakdown outro where I go, oh, okay. <laughs> We're on the same page now. So kids are kids. Let's talk about kids, man. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Good transition right into kids. Regretting that. <laughs> this I know. whole conversation. There might need to be some editing involved in that bad boy. We will see. I don't have very good, uh, I'm not very classy, so I'll probably leave most of that in there. Yeah, so uh, I applied about a week after Tammy got the job there. As I said the last episode towards the end, uh, Tammy got a job at Kids Are Kids. And then and she had been working in in daycare centers and, and stuff for a couple of, for probably about a year since we got to Georgia. And she applied there. And then, I don't know, maybe about two weeks after she applied, I got desperate enough and they were still, I know they were still looking for somebody. She had told me they're, they're looking for somebody for their school-aged room. So 
I went in there and talked to the owners. It was a husband and wife team. And uh, they hired me on the spot. And the schedule was 7 to 10 a.m. And then 2 to 7 p.m. Because the kids would go to school. So, like, I was there in the morning when, like, the parents would drop their kids off at this place. And then I'd hang out with them until they all went to school. And there was, like, a bus driver that would drive them to the school. And then at 2 p.m., they would all come back from school for after school. And then I would be there until all their parents came and picked them up at 7 p.m. So that's what I was hired for. It's a weird shift. I think it was kind of, I was like, oh, I could go and work from 7 to 10 a.m. And then I could go for a run and exercise and eat some lunch and kind of fuck around, you know, play guitar or whatever, and then come back at 2. And I'd still get my 40 hours, even though it ended up being like a 12-hour day. You know, right, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try it. We'll see what happens. And there was days where, you know, after 10, they let me stay and like do some kind of custodial work, like sweep and kind of clean up the cafeteria and shit and stay on the clock for a little longer. So, I mean, it was, it was all right that way, but it wasn't ideal. Certainly. Quick question. Yeah. Did uh, you and Tammy both work the same shift? No, she, um, she started later and ended earlier okay she was in the infant room so she was dealing with babies so she was there the whole day there wasn't a split for her you know what i mean because it, it the place catered to kids of basically ages zero to you know 12 in that vicinity so yeah her, her kids were all babies they'd get dropped off in the morning their parents would come pick them up random times throughout the day it was just like hey i i need somebody to watch my baby while i go to work or do this or that so but it's not like it's not like generally speaking babies are going to be there until 7 at night. So <laughs> yeah. I mean I I can't really remember if there like if she would I think I would she would drop me off early. I think maybe we got there the same time. I'm I'm having a hard time remembering that to be honest. That's a good question. Hmm. There's no fucking way she was working 12-hour shifts. Right. That wouldn't make so, sense. So I think it's likely she was working like 7 to 4. Yeah. Something like that and then she would come back and get me later. That's that's what my guess would be. I don't know. And maybe she'd remember, but she's at work right now, so I can't ask her. Maybe next time, next episode, I'll, I'll check back in with you on it, let you know, because I'm, I'm curious if she remembers. I doubt it, but yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, it was around uh, 30 kids, ages 5 through 12, was, which is pretty pretty big disparity. Um, and sometimes I had a part-time helper, like an after-school person. Like, usually they were younger, like, in their teens, like a part-time job kind of thing. Did you say how many kids you were watching? Like 30. Fuck, yeah. That's kind of a lot. It was a lot. There was times where it was too much. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But they called me Mr. Lou, which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Daycare centers, they, they sort of, especially in the South. I don't know if this is standard everywhere, but in the South, in, like, Georgia, which is where we were living... Daycare centers were big into like calling everybody Mr. or Mrs. adults. So kids would refer to everybody as Mr. or Mrs. and then their first name. It sounds weird as fuck to me now, but I got used to it. Something that you would hear in the South. But yeah, Mr. Lou, I thought was really funny. It's cute. Yeah. Sometimes it was cute. And sometimes I was like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I felt like a referee most of the time at this fucking job, to be honest with you couldn't really play with the kids because there was too many of them and the ages were so 
wide the age range was so wide that there was always some like bullshit to diffuse or something to deal with or like kids were fighting and they'd argue and they'd like you know someone's getting bullied you know that kind of shit like just the whole time anytime especially after school in the morning they were a little more subdued yeah they're all sleepy and shit but after school they were it was like herding cats there was just constant movement and we would take up positions on the playground like in different positions so we we all have we have eyes on every corner and you know it'd be like me and one or two other people out there kind of sure. watching yeah um but yeah it was there was times where it was kind of fun but most of the time it was kind of it was more stressful than anything else and i feel like i was constantly yelling at or disciplining kids which i hate and i would get headaches I remember that getting fucking headaches all the time there. I have to be honest, based on <laughs> your 43 jobs thus far, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you lasted a good amount of time at this one. Yeah. Uh, I'll, it'll become apparent probably why in a second. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Had this circumstance not been as it was, I probably would have lasted three or four days. Sure. But I was trying to make it work, you know, and there was some days where it was fine. But then there was other days where I was like, I'm going to fucking strangle one of these kids here in a minute. Like, this is too much. Uh, Um, You've also in in the last episode, you mentioned how you and Tammy were kind of getting into it based on the fact that your track record for keeping a job sucks. Yeah. Yeah. She was on the edge of of bouncing me the fuck out of her life. I think pretty, I, I would say that that crossed her mind on a regular basis during this period. Sure. Um, understandably, you know what I mean? Like no part of me is like, I can't believe she would consider Nah, Fuck me. I, I'm you fuck me now, to be honest with you. Like she, she a don't, case could be made at she, any point. <laughs> she don't need no man. <laughs> no, she definitely doesn't. I mean, the toys are good enough these days that I don't think you need a man, but sure. No, she she was a trooper. How 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 much rope she gave me to hang myself with, but yeah, I I mean that definitely was a factor as why I was trying to make it work. But yeah, waking up at fucking five a.m. was brutal. I'm not a morning person. Are you a morning per- person? Do I even know that about you? If if I had my choice, I would sleep until like you know nine thirty or ten every day for sure. Um, Can you sleep in on your days off anymore? Yeah, it's not as easy. It's not as easy for sure. Um, yeah. But at the same time, once I get in a routine of waking up early, you know, it's not really a problem for me. Yeah. No, I fucking hate it. I mean, I've gotten, I figured out the trick for me because I, right now, my current job, I wake up, uh, well, working from home. Now I, I don't have to wake up as early, so I wake up at like 640 is what my alarm is set for. Before, when I had to drive to the office, it was set for like 5.40. It was probably an hour earlier. Um, I, the only way I can wake up that early is if I get in bed at like 9.30, which means I'm probably falling asleep. If I'm tired by like 10.30, if I'm not tired by like midnight. But if I get to bed at like in at like 11.30, I'll lay there till 2 in the morning. And then fucking waking up at 5.40 is a... Is a I'll, I, I'll do it. You know what I mean? I never oversleep. I never fucking miss my alarm. It's very rare that I'm late for work because I slept in too late or some shit like that. I get there, but it's torturous, you yeah. know, every fucking morning. So I've found a routine now. Like I said, I wake up at 640. We usually get in bed around like 930, 9, 10 at the latest. And then, you know, sometimes we'll chit chat 
sometimes she'll fall right asleep. Sometimes I'll fall right asleep if I had a, a long one or it's been a couple of days in a row that I didn't sleep well. But usually I'll read for like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, I was I was blessed with the ability to sleep. So, man, I'm better at it now than I used to be. I used to have horrible insomnia. I would just lay in bed and fucking. Sometimes it was like I would think I would sort of fantasize about things and it would just keep me up all night. And other times it was just stress and anxiety and keep me up all night. Now I don't care as much about stuff and I'm, I'm old enough now that I don't really have a lot of fantasies left because, you know, when you get to a certain age, you stop fantasizing about be tw- being 25 and selling out stadiums. <laughs> you know, when you're 44, you're no longer fantasizing about that. <laughs> so exactly. now the fantasy is like, well, Morgan Freeman didn't get famous till he was in his 40s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the fucking fantasy when you get old. It's like, there's still time for me to do something special with my life. Perfect. I know it's so fucking it's like I'm laughing at this thing that's kind of really sad but it's it's sad because I'm privileged and I live where I live and I'm I had the upbringing I had if I was a fucking an Ethiopian person or something jackpot you know my life is a fucking win for a lot of people in the world so I am very aware of that which is why I don't take it very seriously even though there's still a lot I'd like to accomplish and again, that's kind of the point of this whole podcast is like, I'm old and I, I didn't do some things I thought I was going to do by this time in my life, but I'm not dead yet. And let's fucking laugh at the things I did do that were hilarious. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. I don't spend a lot of time worrying about that shit, which is probably why I sleep better now. It also maybe because I'm old as fuck. <laughs> old people, old people fall right asleep, you know, <laughs> exactly. that's why there's such a thing as the early bird special. <laughs> Um, yeah, not eating dinner at four in the afternoon yet, though. <laughs> not, not quite there yet. Rapidly approaching it, but not yet. So, uh, yeah, I have a memory from this job that that's still kind of fucking, I don't know, haunts me a little bit. There was this kid that that w- there, probably seven or eight years old. He had a really hard time following instructions or paying attention. Like when I talked to him, almost like a zombie. You know, I talked to him and he just kind of stared dead-eyed through me. But he was, like, really nice. And there was times where I would connect with him a bit and we would talk. And he was, like, a nice a nice little kid. Yeah. But I remember talking to his mom about it after school one day. Like, something happened where we had to interact. I didn't really like interacting with the parents very much because most of them were fucking shitty. But we were talking, me and this woman. And she basically told me that he was on, like, a heavy dose of lithium. Oof. And... And that, like, if he wasn't on the lithium, it was a, he was a fucking nightmare. So the whole thing made me sad. Like, like with or without the drugs, this fucking kid was probably miserable, you know? Like, it, it just, it really bummed me out. I was like, oh, man, I really don't like this. I don't like even having to, like, I didn't like having it in my life. The knowledge, the awareness interactions with him and his parents was just the whole thing i was like i don't this isn't cool you took antidepressants when you were a kid didn't you i was on prozac for a very brief period of time when i was 16 i believe okay yeah i got i don't know if we've ever talked about on the podcast but i got uh i got suspended from school a couple of times and it led to me getting expelled pretty much i was supposed to be permanently expelled and so I got kicked out and then they told me that in order to get back in, if I want to try to come back to school, I had to see a psychiatrist and I had to basically follow the recommendations of that psychiatrist in order to like fix the, the things that made me broken. 
Yeah. And then they would have a hearing and see the evidence and it would be decided whether or not they would allow me back into school. So this was my junior year of high school. And, you know, my my damage, the brokenness, just because if I leave it vague, people maybe think I, I killed somebody or, you know, did something really horrible. Yeah. It stemmed from... um. So initially I got suspended from school for... <laughs> Try to think of how this story went. I had my mom had bought me a satanic Bible, right? And at this point in my life, I was not I no religion at all. I'm an atheist. I think the whole thing's stupid. Started to kind of find the idea of Satanism amusing, just because it, it, it freaked people out. You know what I mean? At some point, my mom bought me the satanic Bible, which it sounds fancy. It's just a fucking paperback book written by a guy named Anton Lavey back in the fucking day, and it's sort of. If you read it now, you'd be like, oh, there's prob- there's some like interesting ideas in here, and also there's some hokey bullshit in here, but that brand of Satanism is basically atheism, but you choose these totems and kind of phrases and stuff as like a middle finger to organized Western religion, so you're not Which like- Which doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> yeah, you're not worshiping Satan. You don't believe in Satan. It's Satan is like- not the a, devil and- Yeah, it's like a concept. It's like, it's viewed that way, so- I thought that was kind of interesting at 16, you know, now it's less interesting, but at 16, I was like, oh, that kind of, you know, there's a lot of like nihilistic ideas in there that are appealing to somebody of that age. Like, oh, you want to fuck? You fuck. You want to fight? You fight. That kind of stuff. And exactly. Yeah. So I had this fucking book and I had brought it to a class with me because a kid that I was talking to wanted to check it out. And I let him borrow it. And then in that class, the teacher, who was a like super religious Christian guy, saw it and took it. He like confiscated it. And then he t- put that up the flagpole and they started looking at me and they searched my locker as part of like, we're worried about the, the, the danger that this kid is to himself or other students or whatever, purely based on me having that bible that satanic bible which again it's a fucking paperback book it's not like leather bound with like it's a fucking paperback you buy it fucking barnes and noble back in the day (laughs) and so they searched my locker and in my locker i had put together a pseudo kind of uh, altar with candles and shit a hundred percent as a joke it was purely just to freak out my like locker mates and shit because at this point i was getting a bit of a reputation for being kind of a weirdo um (laughs) But yeah, they, I, it was there as like a goof, and it, there wasn't anything scary in there, like blood or, or dead animals. Yeah, it was purely like a couple of candles and like a funny picture in the middle of it, right? It was probably obviously a joke if you looked at it from a, a reasonable point of view, but if you're a scared Christian, it, it probably was a little scary. But then at the bottom of my locker, there was a lock blade, which I had forgotten. I, it fell out of my jacket or something and was in my locker. Now, I did carry a knife a lot of times back then. I carried brass knuckles i was like ready to protect myself i got bullied a bit when i was younger and as i got older i was like not not gonna happen anymore yeah so yeah they found the lock blade i got suspended for that i got suspended again for laughing when they announced the death of a teacher because i had had him for geometry the year before and he was a fucking prick yeah like he was a legitimately a prick he he just sucked and he was also a Christian scientist, and he died because he, he his family did not give him 
the medicine <laughs> that would have saved his life, that which I thought was I kind of funny. I can't even deal with. <laughs> Again, right? Like I thought it was sort of it was ironic. It was kind of funny to me. I'm like, oh, and his, he was a and he was also a, like a huge fat guy. Like he had trouble getting in and out of his car. And again, he was just a prick. He there's a couple moments in his class where he called me out in front of everybody and like for stuff that had nothing to do with anything. Like one time he asked me a question and I said I didn't know the answer to it and he made a joke of like, "Well, maybe you weren't playing grab house out in the hallway because I had a friend, a, a female friend who had a locker outside his class and he would see me and her like chatting and we'd like hug each other goodbye, that kind of thing." So it was like that he also i caught him ripping down flyers for my band in the hall once and they weren't and they weren't like offensive offensive. no they were just a band but they didn't have a picture or anything it was just like hey there's three bands come see us play a show and it it wasn't like you're not allowed to put flyers up for your band that kind of shit always was all over the high school but he just ripped my shit down so i remember thinking like fuck that guy and then when they announced that he had died and i knew the circumstances already because people were talking about it. And I knew he was a Christian scientist. But yeah, when he died, I like did a kind of jokey, like, woohoo, kind of thing. And immediately the teacher of that class sent me to the principal. <laughs> and then <laughs> they ended up uh, suspending me for that. And then the straw that broke the camel's back was I was on the bus. We were, on, we were going to band practice after school. And me and the other guys in my band were taking my bus cause, so that we could go to my house because that's where we practiced in my basement. And the bus driver didn't know that I was with them. The bus driver liked me because I was always really nice to her daughter. She would sit on the bus. She was younger and she'd, you know, sit at the front seat, you know, cause her mom's working. Sure. And sometimes I would sit up there and we'd like talk and I'd ask her questions and she'd tell me stories. She was like a, a nice little girl and I was friendly with her and the bus driver liked me. She didn't realize that, that cause my band wasn't, didn't take the bus or my bus. So she didn't know them. They were like different people. She had never seen them. And, the guitar player of my band had been like fucking with a seat, like I, messing with like a piece of tape that was stuck to it or something. The bus driver had thought he was like tearing the seat. And so she called security to come and, and find out what's going on and maybe take him off the bus. And then I was standing up for him because I knew he wasn't fucking doing anything to the seat. And it got it became like a thing. And so the security, the campus security took us all off the bus and patted us down. And me and a, my drummer at the time both had knives on us. And mine was a switchblade. His was a lock blade. Ended up going to the fucking police station. And then that's what got me expelled because I had that knife on me. And it was like after the other the other suspension for having a knife in my locker, they bounced me out of there. I'm not saying they shouldn't have. <laughs> this is not a story to, to like profess my, my innocence. I, I was uh, had some some issues with anger and you know the whole reason that i was in trouble right there is because i wouldn't let people like basically accuse my bandmates of doing something they weren't doing and and when they were taking us off the bus she was like no he can stay about me she was saying like oh he didn't do anything wrong he's fine it's these other three and i was like no if you're gonna take them off the bus then i'm fucking getting off the bus too like these we're together you know like i didn't realize they were gonna yeah, it was like, exactly. I was like loyal to my friends, even though it ended up getting me fucking expelled because that's why they frisked us. If I had stayed on the bus, they would have frisked the other guys and my, my drummer would have gotten in trouble, but not as bad as I did because I had a fucking switchblade and it was like a second or third offense and the whole thing. He didn't even have to go to the fucking police station. They they took the knife and let him go, but I got fucking handcuffed and put in a cop car. 
So that's a little excessive. Long, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, again, if that happened now, I'd probably be in jail. Was the switchblade you know, is... illegal back then? Yeah, thoroughly. Okay. I mean, even if it wasn't school grounds, <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's a it's a concealed blade, and it's over a certain length. It's for sure illegal. Okay, and. Beyond that, I mean, again, this is before the age of school shootings and all that kind of stuff. So, like, people, like, I could tell you stories that would make me look even fucking worse than this one. But, yeah, they they hit their limit with me, and they suspended me and expelled me on this, on this account. And, yeah, I wasn't sure I was ever going back to school again. But I ended up getting a psychiatrist... Uh, and that psychiatrist put me on Prozac to get back to the original point of the story. So I was on Prozac long enough to have my hearing and get back into school. And because I was like, I didn't really want to go back to school, but I wanted to graduate. I was I had already done two and a half years. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to drop out and just not get credit for that two and a half years worth of fucking homework and shit. Not that I did a lot of it, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so... Yeah, I want to get back. And also, I wanted to fucking be around my friends, and I want to play. It was making things complicated, because we would try to play shows. Like, for instance, I talked talked to you about playing the variety show at, yes. at our high school. I had to be, to try out for the variety show, which was on school grounds, I had to be escorted on from security, because this is during the time I was expelled. First, I had to get permission to even, for them to even, like, listen to my band to like try to get into the variety show and it was mostly my bass player who was like a straight a student and like a good guy a good good kid you know well regarded everybody teacher wise and adult wise loved him you know he's like a good kid and so he had to basically vouch for me and say like no he's misunderstood he's a good guy he's had a bad rap you know blah 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 but i had to be escorted onto fucking campus and it was really funny because i'm sitting here walking with like a security guard on either side of me from the entrance of the school through the whole thing back to where my the pool is you know yeah because they were having the auditions back in a hallway back there and then, you know, all the shit was already set up for me when I got there. So I basically got there, strapped on my guitar, got in front of the microphone. We played our two songs. Then I took my guitar off and then <laughs> the security escorted me back out of the building. Kind of a badass. Kind of, yeah. So, but yeah, and I'm, by the time the variety show happened, I had been let back into school. But that's part of why I wanted to go back. So I was like, oh, fuck, we, I want to play the yearbook party and that kind of shit. You know, I, I was like, there's stuff I want to do that's extra extracurricular that I'd like to do with my friends. So anyway, yeah, I was on Prozac for just enough time to get into school. And once I was back in school and they were done looking at me, I stopped going to the shrink. I stopped taking Prozac. So it's probably about two months, three months, maybe. Okay, so which you know was it was enough time for me to get an idea of what it was like being on antidepressants. So that's why I Not asked. For me. Is, um, I mean, did it affect you seriously? Did you feel numb on it and stuff like that? I wouldn't say numb. It made it like even things out a little bit. So you know, when I would get like really upset or or mad or depressed, I'd be very those things. On the, on the flip side, when something was awesome, it was really fucking awesome. On Prozac, nothing was as bad as it was before, but also nothing was as awesome as it was before. That was my experience. Yeah. So, and I didn't feel like I needed it. I thought I could just logically make sense of the world, and I did. You know what I mean? Whether or not I'm still fucked up, you know, that's that is arguable, but... I definitely figured out a way to not let those like super low lows uh, 
really dictate everything that I do. Obviously, some of these jobs, when I quit, it was probably like a, a slightly manic episode of like, fuck this. And we've talked about at the beginning, like, I'm never going to kill myself, but I might just walk away and start robbing banks and surf. And like, to me, that's sort of the, the ultimate. And that might be how mentally I figured out to not let things get to me. Because I'm like, well, is this thing bad enough that I, I need to just walk away from my life and get a fucking mask of, of Ronald Reagan? Start <laughs> exactly. robbing banks? Because if it's not big enough that that's what's the next step, then maybe I should stop fucking worrying about it. And But whatever the case. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like being on Prozac. I never tried any others. Um I don't plan on it. I mean, at this point, I'm fucking 44 and I've managed and I, it hasn't been that tough. So, you know, I'm a specific case. It's just for me, but I didn't feel like I needed them. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm bringing it up because, you know, initially what sparked it is you were talking about the kid that you had connections yeah. with, but at the same time, like, it, it's just so very sad, you know, because sometimes babies just come out and they have this whatever you call it, you know, and they're not even, or, you know, there has to be a better solution. You know what I'm saying? It'd be nice if there was, I don't know what it is. Yeah. All I know is that this kid was, there was days where he was like kind of normal, but most of the time something was off. Yeah. You know, it kind of was like, if you've seen, and again, I've only really seen this uh, in movies and TV shows, but like the extreme kind of autistic kid that doesn't make eye contact and doesn't speak unless like every once in a while has like an outburst or something. There was times where this kid was very similar to that. Sure. And I didn't really know what to do with him. I'm like, well, I don't want to ignore him over the corner and just let him fucking twiddle his thumbs, you know. But at the same time, if I go and try to talk to him and like ask him like, hey, how are you doing? What's, what was your day like? You know, and he won't look at me and he won't talk. I'm not qualified to fucking make a take a next step in that situation. Sure. That's kind of how I got talking to his mom because I was like, I don't know what to do with this kid. Like, he's there was a couple of moments where he was like sort of getting bullied. And I had to step in and kind of put the kibosh on that. But beyond that, like, you could pretty much leave him alone and he would just fucking be over there alone with his thoughts, you know, maybe plotting my murder or something. I don't know. It's fucking sad, dude. (laughs) Yeah, it bummed me out. For sure it bummed me out. And it was one of the things that happened where I was like, I don't this isn't the job for me, ultimately. Like, I don't want to be this responsible for these kids in in any real way. So, yeah, uh, about two weeks in, I knew I was rapidly approaching my limit. Uh, And because Tammy worked there, I knew it would reflect badly on her if I just fucking bounced. (laughs) <laughs> sure so he's calling you that's yeah. interesting you want to answer real quick and tell him we're recording yeah hey bro what's up face. Uh, I'm actually currently recording with Lou you're on right now oh uh, got it you made, no, made <laughs> no mention thereof well I'm I'm recording so he can't hear me Right. I, he I, says, well, I don't he, have my phone on. He doesn't have his phone on. He's recording. So. <laughs> yeah, what a douchebag you are. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want, I'm driving home from get, picking up some sushi. It made me think of you being a dickhead. And that made me wonder what the fuck your, your, your actual injury situation was. So, because it's via text, I don't really have an idea. So, but go back to your bullshit. <laughs> all right well thank you for your concern i'll uh 
Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll give you a call tomorrow, and if you answer, we'll talk. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Give Marta a hug for me. Yeah, yeah. It's not in the car. All right. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Bye. I don't know how much of that's going to come through your mic, but if it does, I'm leaving it in. You know, I love that guy so much, and like, even him calling me means something to me, you know, because like, there's times where... You know, it's like all the hazing bullshit is all good and fine, but like, yeah, you know, give me a hug, you know, give me a little love or something. Yeah, he's, you know, I've known him for a long time. I, I love him too, and he his he's got a special brand of showing his affection. You have to see the affection. You have to know where to look for it there. And you I, know, I'm and totally with you on that. He's probably a little more affectionate with me than he is with most people I've seen him with friend-wise, yeah. you know? Like, I, there was a time where giving him a hug felt like a special moment, you know? Now it's like I expect that. It's not something that I'd be shocked by. But there was a period of time where I was like, oh, he's giving me a hug. This is nice. You, you know, know, when we, when me and you <laughs> first met and, like, we were friends, and then, you know, you introduced me to Dan and then me and Dan got friends, you know, shortly after that, you know, because me and you would hug all the time. I'd be like, all right, bro, I'll right. see you later. You know, and I try to give Dan a hug. He tells me to fuck myself. But, <laughs> you know, him and Marta showed up to my grandma's funeral and he's like, all right, here's here's your chance coming for the real yeah. thing. So <laughs> here's that my, hug you've been wanting. <laughs> it took my grandma dying for, for him to give me some... Know, Touch. It's, it's too bad you only have two of them exactly <laughs> um yeah he's great so yeah after you're done listening to this episode everybody go listen to my other podcast with dan so, two seat cinema yeah. two seat cinema yeah uh where were we before dan so rudely interrupted our flow here we were uh, talking about we we're talking about me not wanting to quit because i didn't want to make tammy look worse than i already was going to by quitting that soon but i did put my two weeks notice in so Without this is, her knowing? We, no, she knew. She oh, okay. no, she she always knows. I don't yeah, she knows the fuck's going on. And she was uh, honestly this is one of those times where she wasn't like too pissed cuz she understood, you know, it's not for everyone working with kids. So, it was a it was a experiment, you know, and now we know the answer at that point. So, yeah, she was fine with it, but I gave 2 weeks so that at least they wouldn't be pissy about me just walking out on them and they actually it's funny because i remember the fucking woman's name was julie and the uh the husband's name was doc <laughs> like you know i don't know what his name was but we called him doc like fucking bugs buddy style. i don't know how they found me but they found me <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't expecting that thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Doc Brown was the uh, other owner. He was actually the one that drove the fucking school buses. <laughs> so, like, drove the kids to school. Yeah. I don't think he ever went, idiot miles per hour! But he did drive those school buses. You fucking got me there, man. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Nothing like a good laugh. Uh, but, yeah, they begged me not to quit. They liked me. Wow. I don't know why. But it's a theme, right? Like, I don't really want to be there. And they're like, no, you're awesome. We, we want you to stay. I'm like, ah, no, you don't. <laughs> you knew it was in my head, you know. But I think it was just mostly hard for me to get somebody that would work that fucked up split shift, you know. Was that difficult in its own right? Yeah, I hated it. I hated leaving work knowing I was going to have to come back. 
like it's one thing to just be at work, but when you leave and you're like, oh fuck, I'm like I'm gonna go jogging, I'm gonna eat some lunch, I'm gonna take a shower, and I'm gonna go back to work. You know, that sucks. I don't unless you love your job, that's not the way to fucking do it. Yeah, that's hard. So uh, before I get to like. You know, because there's not really anything fun about me quitting other than I gave my two weeks notice. I worked my two weeks. I didn't go anymore. But one kind of interesting story that I always I think for sure necessary. And it's it's something me and Tammy occasionally like reminisce about just because it's sort of funny how it turned out. But my stepson, Orion, was also going to this daycare. Obviously, part of being an employee there is you get free childcare. So he was in a different room. And the woman who was, like, in charge of that age kid's room, so which he, he would have been, like, three at this point-ish, three or four, um, her name was Jerry. And so there was a, a point where he would he started getting, like, diaper rash, right? And he was, like, right at the edge of old enough to not be wearing diapers anymore. We were still potty training him. But he was still wearing diapers just to, like, make sure. And... You know, we would send diapers to school with him in, in like, his... He had, like, a diaper bag, and they would keep the kids' diapers separate, you know? So, like, they didn't just take all from the same batch. Like, each kid had their own diapers. Because the the school didn't provide diapers. It's fucking expensive. Yeah, for sure. So, you had to, like, provide the diapers for your kid. But he was getting, like, diaper rash, and then... But his he didn't like he didn't bring home extra diapers. So it was like he was using the diapers. But we started to get suspicious that he wasn't being changed regularly enough. Yeah. So Tammy started numbering his fucking diapers like she would write a little number in them just to like see if he was and and he would be wearing the same diaper when we picked him up or when we took him home as he was wearing in the morning. Yeah. And that's when she was like, what the fuck? And so she went to the owners and she like had a whole meeting with them and she basically lit this fucking woman up like this woman is like neglectful. I don't know what the fuck she's doing. I don't know if she's taking diapers home and selling them out of her trunk or what the fuck's going on, but she's not watching these children appropriately. And here's the proof. Yeah. And they fucking fired that woman. (laughs) And it was like really satisfying to like have this thing happen and then have Tammy fucking just step in and say like, Nope, that's not what's going to happen. Like she's lucky we didn't fuck her up. You know what I mean? (laughs) So she got fired. Here's the best part. Couple months later, we're going through the, the drive-through at Taco Bell. Oh fuck! And who and who the fuck is in the who's the cashier at Taco Bell? Fucking Jerry. And so I remember we were we like left that Taco Bell. We were laughing so hard. We're like, you fucking you fucked her life up so bad. You you twisted her direction so bad that she's working at the fucking drive-through at Taco Bell. It's like <laughs> like the lowest rung, you know? Yeah. Like, I won't even fucking do that. <laughs> Mr. 80 something jobs. None of them are Taco Bell. But yeah, I just again, it's fine if you're working at Taco Bell. It's not really an indictment on Taco Bell employees. It's more like, bitch, you did something fucked up and you paid the price for it. <laughs> for sure. I mean, and that's what's kind of tricky too, right? Because what are they paying people to watch kids? Who are they paying to watch these kids? And you know, like you're you're obviously a good person and you're responsible enough to like, if you're going to have a job, even if you don't like it, but you're watching kids, you're not going to be neglectful of those kids. Yeah. No, no, those kids are going to die on my watch or get diaper rash if I can help it. Right. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing that's kind of funny at the time. It didn't really think anything of it. They didn't do a background check on me other than like a basic thing. Like they didn't, you know what I mean? 
I don't, I think now I'd be like, where's the, where's the background check? You know what I mean? You, you need to do some more work when you're hiring people to work with kids. For sure. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that fucking place, that place is still there. It's not called Kids Are Kids anymore. Something else, but it's still there. I looked it up on a map the other day and the shit's still like a daycare <laughs> center of some kind. Okay. But, yeah, I think that Kids Are Kids was like a franchise place where there was a bunch of, they, they had more than one, but each one was owned and operated by separate people. So maybe some other ones had better background checks. I don't know. Got it. But whatever the case, man, that bitch was working at Taco Bell. <laughs> we, we put her in Taco Bell. Uh, yeah. So quit that job and uh, interviewed at Toys R Us, which I guess apparently I couldn't get away from the, the big fucking R right in the middle of the word. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I saw you smile. I'm like, I know what you're fucking smiling about. <laughs> and uh, they offered me $6.80 an hour part time which I said no to. Yeah. It's like, that's basically the same as not working. (laughs) Uh, And then the same day as that interview, I got an interview at a porn shop called the love shack, which I was kind of excited for. I had been a customer at this place a a couple of times and it would, to me, I was like, Oh, that's something missing from my resume. (laughs) You know, like why wouldn't I have a porn shop on there somewhere? A box waiting to be checked. Exactly. So I was like, I want to fucking work at a a porn shot. You know, I haven't, it's like the same motivation to be a DJ at a fucking strip club, you know, like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll do it. Right. So I was kind of stoked about that. So they set the interview up for 4 p.m. the next day. And the next day was September 11th. Wow. (laughs) That's what I was assuming your political twist would be. Yeah, that's that's we've we've arrived at September 11th in the uh, chronology of my jobs. So, yeah, I remember waking up 850 that morning, made myself a bowl of cereal, turned on the TV. I was, you know, I was getting ready to kind of getting in the zone. I knew I had my interview at the Love Shack (laughs) later that day. And uh, yeah, I turned on the TV and the fucking first plane had already hit and I was watching the TV as the second plane hit hit live about 15 minutes later. Tammy was actually at Kids Are Kids at that point and I called, I remember calling and they they were completely locked down. They weren't allowed to leave. They weren't allowed to like, it was like no one knew what the fuck was going on. So if you were dealing with kids, it was like a really big deal. Oh yeah. Um, Schools and shit like that were all locked down. The, The parents weren't even allowed to like take their kids out right then it was like crazy it was fucking nuts but yeah never rescheduled that uh that porno shop interview what never, were you, never got to work there what was your what was that experience like for you not missing your interview but oh <laughs> uh, yeah this 9-11 yeah it, it was i mean you know obviously i i watched i watched the whole thing on tv i basically just was watching tv the whole day watching the news it was scary i didn't feel any personal danger you know, I lived out in the fucking boonies in Georgia. You know, we lived half an hour north of Atlanta. So, yeah. I mean, I wasn't personally scared that there was going to be like nukes dropping on us or anything. But I remember thinking like, oh, this is different. This is something that nothing like this has happened in my lifetime. I, I've i never felt this feeling of kind of insecurity about the future and what's happening. It definitely seemed like... You couldn't tell how big a deal it was. You knew it was a really big deal. You knew it was kind of scary. I mean, obviously, for some people, it's really scary. I'm a little broken on the inside. We spent a good solid portion of this podcast talking about my brokenness. So (laughs) I don't react to trauma like 
a normal person probably would. I don't get as upset by things like violence or death or to me, it's just the nature of being a human being is, is that stuff exists. I don't like it, but when I see it, I'm not like, oh my God, I'm devastated. I remember feeling like, oh, this is fucking weird. You know, it was more like, this is really weird. I don't know where this is going to go. Honestly, not a lot different than how I've been feeling the last four years. Yes. But because there hasn't been like a big thing, like, you know, you get these little, little one-off things like, oh, a fucking go- guy drove through the, the protesters with his car and killed somebody. And, you know, the president's kind of being sort of cryptic about how, how much of a fucking prick he is, you know, but like all that sort of, sort of. Uh, causes insecurity, but it's not like this. This was like how it was sort of how I've been feeling over the last four years, but all smashed into one moment. And like, Ooh, this could go really, really badly. This could change everything in a way that will never go back to how it was. And it really hasn't. I mean, obviously how old were you when on nine 11, you were pretty young, right? You were probably 13. I was probably 14. So yeah, I don't, I'm kind of curious your perspective, but just because I can't really imagine being younger and having that happen, and you know, you're already kind of not sure about the world. So for me, I was an adult already. I like if everything's different, okay, I can I can deal with whatever that is, whatever that looks like. But um, yeah, I mean, it never it really never stopped being a thing. You know, you live like any other big crazy thing that happens before and after. There's the world before that happened and there's the world after that happened. So like I remember being a kid and just walking in the fucking airport, like not really having it be a big deal. And now it's like a really big deal. Anytime you go to the airport dealing with security and all that kind of shit. But, you know, in some ways things didn't change that probably should have. So I don't know. What what was your experience like for that? So I was a freshman in high school and it was... Honestly, you were at school, right? Yeah. I feel I feel kind of ignorant, but I was young and I didn't know anything about the economy and shit like that. And like you yeah. talk about the Twin Towers, like what the fuck is that? You know, like I, I didn't know <laughs> right. what it was. And we at one point had a TV on and I was like, holy shit. And it got freakier later. And like the more you watch the footage and like you know, you're fucking cringing as you see a plane going towards a building. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 crazy, too, because you have a lot of conspiracy surrounding that whole thing, yeah. you know, because these buildings are supposed to be, you know, rated to take shit like this. You know, they're built to withstand stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of documentaries and shit about that, but that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, maybe we can... I don't really want to have that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but just thinking about it now and like, you know, seeing people's firsthand, you know, accounts being on the scene and stuff, it's fucking gnarly. And like, we're in the middle of this pandemic and however many people died there times that by whatever. And this is this is that scenario, you know, yeah. 20 years later. Do you remember even like, did... Do you remember, like, was there a moment where the like, teacher announced it during a class or did it just people talking about it in the hallway between classes and then slowly it started to become apparent, like, what was going on? They didn't, like, lock you guys down or anything? Honestly, not that I could remember. Like, we went to our next class and I think as the bell rang for us to 
to sit down and start class, you know, things were unsettled and that's when shit started happening. Like I remember people scrambling around and being concerned and worried. Yeah. And, you know, people were obviously visibly upset and anxious. And so that's that's kind of what my initial experience was. Yeah, I mean, it's, maybe it's interesting because as a 23-year-old or however old, old I was, I don't know, how old was I in 2011? You're 25? 24, 25. Yeah, being like that age, I was fully aware of what a big deal it was. And immediately, you know, I turned on the TV, I saw the fucking smoke coming out of the building. I knew, obviously, what the fucking Twin Towers were as a, <laughs> in my 20s. I, I've been to New York and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm familiar with what they are and their kind of relevance and... So, yeah, I saw the smoke. I was like, oh, that's fucked up. I wonder if a bomb hit or a bomb went off or what happened. And then as, like, their kind of news stuff coming in, all of a sudden, I, when the second plane hit live on TV, immediately knew what it what I just saw. Like, the camera was on the fucking towers. I'm sitting there with my bowl of cereal munching away, and I see the fucking plane go in one side and then fireball come out the other side. And I remember just being like, holy shit, that just fucking happened on live TV. You know, like, that's... <sighs> That's fucking wild. <laughs> like, my reaction was probably like, that's fucking wild. Uh, yeah, um, dude. I mean, what else do you fucking say? Yeah, it was intense. I remember feeling pissed about it, too. Um, yeah, I, I remember having feelings of, like, motherfuckers. Yeah. You know? I wasn't just like, oh, weird. I remember having, like, kind of anger about it. Like, what the fuck? You know? Um but I'm also fully aware, even back then, that, like, bombs go off in cafes on the other side of the world all the fucking time. So, like, just because we don't have that here doesn't mean it's not happening. Exactly. So I think a lot of people who were really, really affected, obviously the people who were there are as affected as they should be. But people who are on the other side of the country who are watching on TV, too, who are, like, really affected by it, I think a lot of those people just out of sight, out of mind for the fucking horrors of the world. And right. then they see that and it's impossible to ignore. I hadn't been ignoring the horrors of the world up until that point. I just was happy I wasn't, you know, being subjected to them. But yeah, it was fucked up. It's not, it's like interesting. It's one of those things, again, I remember it really well that, that morning. And yeah, it was fucked up. And I remember thinking like, oh, fuck, like, this is like going to really derail a lot of things. It's going to make things not normal. It's not going to be... It's not going to be business as usual tomorrow. You know, that was my experience with it, luckily. Like, I've mentioned it before. Uh, my brother-in-law, my ex-brother-in-law at that point, had moved to New York after him and my sister had split up. And he was living somewhere there. I don't remember where exactly, but I know that he was close enough that he was, like, freaked out by it. Yeah. But, yeah. I was. I remember being, like, I trying to get in touch with him, you know, the day or two after that. Just make sure he was, like, all right. I think we traded emails, maybe. But... Yeah, pretty pretty crazy shit. Um, I don't know anything else you want to say about any of that. Um, no, I don't think so. Good enough. Yeah. So, uh, next time, hold your fucking horses. I know. If you thought that was good, wait for this. Well, hold on, because uh, we gotta yeah, talk about the PB scale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, just a second there. Oh boy. Yeah, you know. I think you'll be surprised. I put this at a four. Uh, my guess was going to be either a four or five. Okay. Well, you're not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. it wasn't so bad. It just wasn't for me. I'm sure another person with the right kind of disposition for that would have enjoyed it. But 
yeah, it just wasn't for me. It what, wasn't it wasn't horrible. What kind of interaction did you have with Tammy during this? Like I'd take a ten minute break, um, go visit with her. I remember I remember going to her to the baby room and hanging out in there like after the kids all left before I left during my like break in the middle of the day. Yeah. I'd go in there and, and like, you know, visit with her and the babies. And it'd be like her and another woman and then like nine babies. And they would just kind of walk around like they take they basically just walk from baby to baby, like snuggling them and holding them and like, you know, singing and feeding them and changing diapers. And but like yeah, there was a lot of times where I just go in there and she's just sitting there with a fucking baby or two babies just chilling. And we, fucking Tammy loves babies. So. So, yeah. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Four on the PB scale. And hopefully with creative editing, that will be seamless. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a good episode. We got a lot of fucking uh, content in here, bro. Yeah, I don't know how much I'm going to cut out, but a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are going to get half the story because we said some very personal things that our wives would not be happy about us sharing. (laughs) So if, if it seems weird that it edited in a way that's like, oh, something got cut out. That's our marriages being saved. <laughs> um, yeah. You know where we're going next time? Where are we going, bro? We are going to Hat Shack. Hat Shack? <laughs> Hat Shack. Is this yes. a kiosk in a mall? It's not a kiosk. It's a full-fledged mall store. Okay. That that sells, uh, like, hats, uh, obviously. <laughs> uh, mainly, mainly, like, baseball-style caps. And their big thing, this is like way back in the day, their big thing was they had one of those embroidery machines. Sure. So you could get like custom hats made. That was like their big selling point. Obviously, there's a fucking million of those in every mall across America now. But back then, pretty big deal. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to go to Hat Shack and you're going to hear about how much I fucking hated that manager. You laid the groundwork, bro, for the future. times. So, all right, we'll see you next time for that. See you. Later days. Bye.